Hello, readers. Hello. It is I, Ronnie. She just woke <laughs> up, so she's kind of grumpy. I didn't just wake up. I was I was doing the thing that we all do, where we scroll on our phone for 45 minutes before she's, we get out of bed. <laughs> reading lectures in bed. Exactly. So I didn't just wake up, but I did just start drinking my coffee. So uh, pause for a sip. Watch out, Luna might jump into your lap and sip and Luna. Don't do that. Anyway, we're here with our July 2022 book of the month, which was The Worm and His Kings by Haley Piper. Uh, do you want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, I mean, pick? I I ended up, I, I wanted like a cosmic horror novel, but I didn't want it to be like a classic. I didn't want to be like, let's read Lovecraft or like. I think the Arkham publishing thing that he has is still going, and people actually, like, are, like, continuing, like, mm. Lovecraft's universe of that, you know? Yeah, yeah. But so, like, I just googled, like, Cosmic Horror 2022 and found... I think there was two. I found two. One was, like, a World War Two book, and I don't remember the name right now. I don't remember either. But then I also had this one, and I was like, hey, Ronnie, choose between these two, and that's how we ended up with the War Minutes And games. I picked this one, and I was, I was surprised. I actually did really like it, and... It was also only 100 pages, which we didn't know until it arrived, and I was like, this is really tiny. Uh, <laughs> but excuse me, it's 114. 114 pages, so um, very, very quick read. Yeah, but the the blurb on the front says, One of the best cosmic horror novels I've read in eons by Mary San Giovanni. But yeah, um, the it's a quick read. It's more of a novella than like a novel, I would say. But I do wish more stuff would end up being this length, because, like, you can, like, I don't know how the, this, they're not exactly serialized, like, they used to publish, like, Dickens stories, like, in serial issues, because they were, like, hundreds and hundreds of pages long. Right. But, you know, this is, like, a pocket-sized book. You don't, it's not like if you go out for a walk in your backpack, you're carrying around the freaking half-blood prints in your backpack. I mean, I definitely agree. There are some times when I have a fantasy novel, and there are parts where I'm like, did this really need to be, like, a thousand pages? pages yeah and like that this book it's only 114 pages um but i think it it has exactly the right amount of information in there to be necessary for it to tell the story yeah right like it could have elaborated on some things but it didn't and it doesn't need it i don't it, think. it actually benefits from not elaborating in the same way like Tolkien benefits from not elaborating on tom bombadil because now you think about that stuff, and you're like, I want answers to that. Maybe yeah. it's this, maybe it's that. And it's not like you've read the book, and you're like, I know everything I need to know, and then you close the book, and you're done forever. Right. I mean, this one definitely is meant to... I mean, I think all cosmic horror is meant to make you think a little bit about just the size of the universe and, like, your place in it and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So this book definitely leaves you uh, with some thinking. Mm -hmm. Not questions, necessarily, but, like, you you are thinking about what happened in the book. And yeah, like, yeah. You know. Um, but anyways, the book is about... The main character is a girl named Monique Lane. Mm -hmm. And she is... Semi recently homeless. Like I really liked her as a protagonist. She's I'm just really interesting. I really liked her. She was a good protagonist. Um, like she was flawed, but in like a very human way. Yeah, like it's like the stuff that you know, like that anyone is like six months away from being 
destitute unless yeah. they're a billionaire. And she she is, like, at the end of the book, they're kind of talking about how she's, like, a fighter. And she really is. She just, like, keeps surviving all yeah. these horrible things. Um, even before the cosmic horror starts, like, she was already kind of, which I think is part of the reason she survived so well, is yeah. because she had, like, endured that kind of stuff before. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I guess let's just jump into starting the overview of it, because yeah. we're, it's kind of short, and so if we keep talking about it too much, I'm afraid we're gonna start being like, and yeah. then that's how it ended! Yep. <laughs> so, um, um, yeah, she's, like, semi-recently homeless, and she's been living with a woman named Donna... Did they tell her us her last name? Uh, My, yes, they did because she's like part of that law firm, but I yeah. can't remember what her My last name. My brain wants to say Donna Tart, but I think that's a Doctor Who character. I don't think that's right. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, Donna has disappeared, and mm. Donna is part of a law firm, and she was kind of keeping Monique afloat. But um, like, yeah, she was pushed out of her law firm because the story is uh, LGBT, and Donna and Monique are a couple. And this is, like, a pretty substantial age difference. It's 20 years, I yeah. think. Like, I think... I don't know if we ever learned Monique's actual age, but I assume they were between 18 and 20. Yeah. And then Donna's, like, like 40. 40. Yeah. So... Um... But... So, Do- it's... At the beginning of the book, like, this has already happened. We only learned this in flashbacks. But Donna and Monique had essentially fallen in love when Monique delivered pizza to her law firm yeah. one day. And then they yeah. started, like, secretly seeing each other. And then somehow somebody in her law firm found out that Donna was a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And she essentially lost her position. Because it yeah. takes place in the 80s? The 80s, Or the actually. 90s? Like, late 80s, early 90s. So, like... You know, they were accepting air quotes. Yeah, they were, like, accepting with the air quotes at that time, but not really. Like, you could still lose your job if you were found out, so. But yeah, Um, Donna has disappeared, and through that, like, they had already lost their Manhattan apartment, then they, like, you know, they were homeless, and then Donna disappears, and Monique's like, I'm done with the universe taking stuff from me, I'm gonna go find this girl. Yeah. Um, Um... yeah, so so Donna goes missing, and Monique's just like, I guess I'm gonna, what, what is it called? The Liberty Tunnel? The Liberty Tunnel in, in Manhattan. Manhattan. She's kind of staying there, and she kind of is like, knows that homeless women are being snatched from there. Yeah. So she, like, goes there to see if she can it's find Donna. like a tent city. Like, like a lot yeah. of homeless people live there. Yeah. Um... And it seems to almost be, like, a well-known secret, even among other people in Manhattan who aren't homeless, that, like, a weird thing mm-hmm. walks through here and everyone just kind of ignores it. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things that these are, like, the forgotten yeah. people. So, like, nobody really cares. It's very, like, never-where Neil Gaiman-y. Mm. Um, but she's called the, the Grey Lady? The Grey Maiden. Grey Maiden. Yeah. Um, which is, like, a really tall humanoid with bird I imagine her like like maybe like a velociraptor. Yeah. (laughs) Like a little more humanoid because she has like the talon thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like I imagine like you look at her and you're like that's a really tall human with a weird like kind of posture. And then you look down and you're like oh no. Frick yeah. (laughs) But she she like walks through the tunnel and you know snatches homeless women Mm. for whatever reason and that you don't know at the beginning. But also within this tunnel is a space that Monique calls the Empty Place, which is just like a space that gives everyone bad vibes. Like, sometimes she will see new homeless people walk through it and be like, 
nah, not the spot. And keep yeah. going. Yeah, like people just inherently know not to go there, basically. Yeah. It's like when you, you have like a sixth sense that something bad's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Grey Maiden walks through at the beginning of the story and like looks at Monique and Monique is like frozen. Not, I mean, partially in fear, but partially in like, I, I need to follow this lady. I don't want to be abducted by her. Right. And so the Grey Maiden grabs another woman. And walks away. And I, it's just very funny that the Grey Maiden uh, exclusively talks by singing the word O. Yeah, all of her lines are just like, oh? With and, like a question mark. And they, music is really important in this book. And, and, I, and they describe it like a whale song too. So I guess yeah. it's more like, oh. Yeah. Like something like that. Like longer. But it's always it was always very short when it was typed out. So yeah, I yeah. just said like, oh? Yeah. Um, but yeah, she snatches somebody. Um, yeah, she snatches someone, and... Monique follows her. Yeah, Monique follows her, um, and they, uh, end up, like, I, it, it, I had the impression that the Grey Maiden knew she was being followed, and I, you know, this is, like, more important later on when you get to, like, how insidious the the cult in the story is. Yeah. Because, like, you never really know if the Grey Maiden knows, but she's intelligent, and she seems, like, to know... She, like, looks at Monique before. Yeah. So I I just guessed that she knew Monique was gonna follow her. But so Monique follows her basically deep down into, like, these weird subway tracks that don't really exist. Mm -hmm. Well, they do, but, like, New York seems to not be aware of them. Yeah. Um, And she follows them like, through the subway tracks, and then back up on the surface, and it's actually kind of interesting, because she comes out, where does she come out? In, like, a business, right? It's near the music hall, I can't remember which music hall, it's, like, called the Midtown Music Hall, or yeah. the, I don't know if it's, like, an actual famous New York, maybe it was, like, Radio City, because I, I think I'm just thinking of that, because I know it's a famous New yeah. York music hall, but but, but... but before she's there, she comes out near, like, a place with real businessmen, and she, like, runs into them. And I'm trying to think of what she says to the guy to put oh, him off. She, like, runs into the guy and she's like, can you spare some change? Yeah. And then as soon as she says that, nobody, like, pays attention yeah, to like, her it's, anymore. It's, so. like, how quickly, she, like, you can switch from being a person to being, like, a bother. Be- beneath, or, like, yeah. their notice. Yeah, no, that was a really good scene where she, like... She, like, runs out, and she's, like, panicked because she thinks she lost the Grey Maiden, so she's trying to just run and find where the Grey Maiden could have gone to. So people start watching her, and she's like, oh, I I don't want to be noticed right now. So then she, like, bumps into a businessman and says, hey, can you, like, spare a dollar or something? Yeah. And the guy's like, sorry, I don't have any cash. And then he, like, turns away from her, and so does everybody else, because they're like, oh, she's just a homeless person asking for money. Was it Empire? That's what it's called? Maybe. Yeah, there's a music. She comes out near a music hall, and the name of the music hall isn't that important, except that like, I I was I also didn't know. Except if this- for they mentioned it a few times because the cult lives beneath it. So. Yeah, I mean, my main question is: Is it a real place in uh, New, York. New York? Like, where they like if we went to New York, would we be like, oh, this is where the cult was in the book? You know? Yeah. But she is trying. Like, Grey Maiden goes into this music hall, um, and. Monique is also like, all right, I'm going to go in now, but I got to find a way in. And she's stopped by a woman named Corinne. Corinne? 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 
Corrine? I don't know. I don't know. C O R E N E, I think is what it was. So um, I, I thought like Irene, like Corrine. Yeah. Maybe. And she's kind of like, hey, I know you're following the Grey Maiden, but she doesn't call her the Grey Maiden. Um, and Monique is like, I don't know what you're talking about, weirdo. Just because she doesn't want to be involved with other people in this. But then she finds out that Corrine is also. Following, following the Grey Maiden because she is looking for a friend that yeah, went missing. Her friend who was a professor, a professor. Um, of like, do you always have to have somebody in cosmic horror stories that understands like quantum mechanics to some extent or mm. is a scientist? Because then they can be like, I Explain think. Explain to. Yeah, okay. like, you know, the world is all wiggles. Yeah. Um, And uh, so she is on her way in. With like she runs into Corrine, who's also breaking in in that, and uh, they basically decide to team up despite not really knowing each other. But they're like, "What else are we gonna do?" Yeah. And this also just reminded me of one of my favorite things about Monique is that she constantly just has a switchblade strapped <laughs> to her arm, and she's like, "I'm ready. I'll, yeah, fuck, I'll fight pull this anyone. out. I don't care." Like, yeah. But yeah, just imagine you see, like, a creature like the Grey Maiden, and you're like, I don't know, I got this switchblade, I guess let's see what happens. Yeah. But she's kind of also said that she's desperate at this point. Like, she just wants to find Donna, and she'll she'll take any risk that is necessary to do yeah. that, so. But, so they, they sneak into the music hall, and follow the Grey Maiden. Corrine kind of starts telling Monique about how she thinks there's this, like, cult down here, and, like, what she and her friend, the professor who's now missing, had kind of figured out. And it's kind of cryptic at this point. I think this Corrine doesn't really trust her, but essentially, she the important thing is that she tells Monique, don't trust these people. They're gonna, like, smile at you, yeah. but they want, they have ulterior motives. Like, don't listen to them, they're all crazy. Um, and Monique's like, okay. <laughs> but- yeah, Empire Musical, I was just opening the book I saw it. Yeah. But um yeah. She's like, you also sound kinda crazy during this. Um but they like go way deep down underneath the music hall. Mm-hmm. Um for a long time and they uh end up in like the cult headquarters. Um and then they encounter uh, a woman who's a part of the cult and the woman's like are you new here? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. They're very eager to just have anybody join up, it seems like, yeah. because Corrine's like, oh, yeah, we're, like, new recruits. And uh, they're like, oh, well, we didn't send out any recruiters. Did you, like, audition? Did, yeah. And then, honestly, I thought it was kind of funny because Corrine was like, don't be sus. <laughs> and then, like, immediately... The one guy's like mentions like he doesn't even say the name of her per- friend, the professor. You think he just says like the Corrine is just like, where is he? Tell me where the professor is. I must see him now. And I'm like, girl, you just like totally blew your cover. Yep. And then she essentially kind of just gets like taken by the gray maiden because yeah. she just immediately loses it. I was like, wow, you gave Monique all those warnings and then you just, like, blew it yourself. But I think that tells you something about her character because she's, like, been holding it together for a while investigating this cult. And then her, like, friend disappears and she's been like, I gotta be cool. I gotta find my friend. I've got, like, an ally. And then, like, you know, she's finally, like, cracked a little bit. Yeah. Um. 
But like, it's just funny because they're like, did you audition for the choir? And Monique is like, yeah, and just starts singing. <laughs> and yeah, Monique's just like, sure. And then she just, and that's another thing that is important about her character because, like you said, singing is very important to the story. And Monique is apparently a very talented singer, but she, like, doesn't do no, it very yeah. often or talk about it very often because she just hasn't had the ability to kind of, like, um, what would be the right word? Craft that ability? I don't know. Yeah, like, practice it, develop yeah. it. Um, but another thing that's interesting here is after her friend is taken, Monique is essentially brought into this practice hall, I think they call yeah. it. Where they bring in the other homeless person that the Grey Maiden had snatched. And they begin singing, like, this cult song. I think this, if this was made into a movie, I think this would be one of the coolest scenes. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, also kind of morbid, I guess. But, um, I really like the way it's described in the book how, like, when they're singing, like, reality almost, like, wavers a little bit. Like, things that used to be, like, that's a wall. It's like, oh, now it's, like, all swirly and, like, you know, abstract. Well, and that's and why I like this so much. John and I were talking about this. We had a friend visiting last week. And he's very musical. And I'm, like, semi-musical. And we were talking about how, like, you know, the whole world... According to quantum mechanics, it's like wiggles. Everything is wiggling all the time. It's wiggling. Damn wiggles. <laughs> but like, you... So, music is air vibrating. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, you're making things vibrate. Mm-hmm. So like, it would make sense, because they call it the song that pierces the world? Something like that, um, yeah. But like, it makes sense that if you were to make space for a cosmic entity to come in to, like, your reality, you would do it with vibrations. And, like, what's the most natural way for a human to make vibrations but, like, just talk or sing? Or sing, yeah. yeah. And honestly, like, I really did think a lot about um, Archive 88. Is that what it, that show's called? Yeah. Is yeah. it 88 or 81? Either way. Yeah, it might be 81. That sounds more right. Um, because they also did something similar where they were had to, like, hum at this very specific frequency yeah. to, like, commune with their outer deity or whatever the heck it was. Mm. Um, and so it, it made me think of this story um, in the same way. But essentially, she goes into this practice room and they all start singing a variation. They make sure to make it clear that this is a variation of the song that will pierce the world. This is not the song that will pierce yeah. the world. And it's essentially a song... That de decon- from what my understanding is, deconstructs the other homeless woman into nothingness but Adam so that she can be absorbed into the worm, who yeah. is also nothingness. Yeah, the worm seems to be void. The worm is void, and so, like, as this song is happening, uh, Monique is kind of stuck there, and she says she tries to stop singing, but she can't stop singing, and then she starts screaming, but she's still screaming in frequency with the song yeah. against her will. And the oh, she watches the woman kind of like I imagine it almost like when you're looking at something and you're drunk and you see like multiple versions of it yeah, or it's yeah. like overlapping kind of and like she's watching this woman get like torn apart essentially by the song mm-hmm. and then she just like disappears. I think Monique yeah. runs out before she like yeah. finally disappears. Um, but she hears all the other cultists being like, Woo, we did it! We yeah. disintegrated this lady! <laughs> and then she's like, oh shit, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. 
Um, that's not normal. That's not normal. Um, um but uh, we we brushed over it a little bit. Yeah, like right before they walk into this room and start singing, you know, Corinne freaks out, and then they're just like, "Yeah, you're not here," and they just take her and like they take her into like the forgotten the old time the old time which is like an elevator that goes down even deeper into the earth um and then they go into the cult room and start singing um and yeah that's like the first time not the first time because you've experienced the empty spot and them going underground a lot for Catholic horror but that's the first time where like something tangibly even worse than maybe like a bird person <laughs> You know, you could imagine, like, a weird dinosaur, like, maybe, like, lost in the rainforest or something still living out there. Yeah. Um, but this is very clearly otherworldly. So that happens. Yeah. And Monique understandably freaks out, and the one person whose name is Lady, literally, uh, mm. she, like, is like, oh, it's okay, like, I was also kind of freaked out my first time, <laughs> and Monique's like, what the We fuck? all go through this, but we deconstruct uh, another human being. But another thing that is really important about this book that I think is worth saying is that this book obviously deals a lot with, like, transformation. Yeah. And Which the, we'll get to in a second. We will get to in a second. And the girl who I can't remember, she said her name was something else, but she changed it to Lady because the worm has the power to like. Essentially, uh, the people of this cult believe that the second coming of the worm third will. Coming. Oh, sorry, the third coming yeah. of the worm will make this kind of like um, not euphoria. What's the word? It's like a utopia of. Like, where there's no hatred. Yeah. And so that's why all these people are following the worm. And you kind of get the sense that some of the people who are in the cult are just kind of, like, from a similar background as Monique. Yeah. Where they have suffered at the hands of humanity. So they've turned to this cult because it's kind of, like, they're desperate and looking for answers. Kind of how, like... Uh, churches kind of, I feel like, do something similar for some homeless people where they yeah, not you, prey on them, well, kind of prey on them in some cases, but they like are like, I don't have anywhere else to turn to, so I'm going to be, I'm going to follow this. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you have absolutely nothing to lose, you have everything to gain. Yeah. So it's really easy to be like, I'm picking this symbol as my symbol and going with it because it's going to give me food. And a place to sleep. And then once you get that far in, it's really hard to get out. Because you have to rewire your whole brain. Yeah, and so that's... I just wanted to clarify that it seems like the people in this cult have completely brainwashed themselves and committed themselves to this belief because it seems like they want this transformation to happen because they've also fallen on hardships. Yeah. Like Monique. But that's why it's important because Monique has faced that, but she's like, I am not going to be swayed by this cult. So... This is when we start to get flashbacks, like, in between chapters of Monique. And you find out, like, they hint at it a little earlier, but Monique has had a surgery um, from a quack doctor. Yeah, Monique tried to get gender-affirming surgery. Yeah. Um, Um, And the doctor, it seems like, according to, like, the doctor is definitely, I don't, I was A bad person. If he was a real doctor. 
Or just a person who understood how to do this? I think I understood him as he was a real doctor, but he, he was doing your kidney at he the was same doing time. he was preying on people who he knows could not like file a suit against him because they were yeah. like the gender affirming surgery is not something that was mainstream or even like allowed at that time. Yeah, yeah. So he would kind of like take your money, but then while you were under, he'd also take a kidney and then sell it on the For black like market too. I guess, yeah. yeah. So while uh, Monique is having the surgery, uh, Donna realizes what's happening, and like, I think she takes a syringe and stabs him in the face with the syringe. I think it said scalpel. Scalpel, she even took worse. A scalpel, and I think she stabbed him in the face with it. Because she saw, like, the surgery, he was kind of doing a hack job um, to the, the gender-affirming surgery. And then after he finished that, he kind of, like, started to go for her kidney. And then I guess Donna, like, attacked the guy while Monique was yeah. unconscious. And then continued to, like, nurse Monique with, yeah. like, the butchered surgery. Yeah, and it, it's really, this part, honestly, is... I, like important to Monique's character, and but it also kind of shows how she's already experienced a lot of like body horror in yeah. her own life. Because I really like the line where she's like talking about how Donna couldn't understand why Monique would want to go through with the surgery, knowing that he was a Not like a, sus doctor. Yeah, yeah. And Mo where Monique is kind of talking about how she already lives with, like, this pain on a day-to-day basis and how she's like, I don't care if it's a good job, I just want it done. Like, I, I want to feel more like Com who I yeah, am. Yeah. And even Donna, who loves her so much and already is like, you're my girlfriend and, like, you don't need to do these changes, can't understand what Monique is going through. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think that's the the space between any people is, like, you can be, like, you know, it's, it's like, even with, like, your parents. Like, your parents are gonna be, like, always, like, you know, you're a person and you're doing what people do, but, like, they're never gonna be able to get in your head and be, like, this is how internally I feel, and I'm sure, like, you can't go back to your parents and be, like, I want to understand what it feels like to have created a child and lived in their head and been like, this is why I care this deeply about this entity, right? Right. Like, it's it's really the... you the, No matter how close you are to someone, the distance between people is, like, unfathomable. It's just hard because you can... I don't know, I think it's important. You can try to be as empathetic as possible, but sometimes you really just can't understand what somebody's that's, going through all you can do is be there for them and the time you know what i always tell people like when people tell me like they're trans or they're gonna get like gender affirming surgery which is like actually very useful i didn't know that phrase until just now there you go um the more you know but you know like i'm like okay i don't get it but i don't have to get it i don't mm -hmm. like do you do you i guess yeah, and it, like, because you you haven't experienced what they've experienced. Yeah, like, so, I, I'm, but... I'm never going to, ex is it gender dysphoria is the right mm. word? Like, I'm never going to experience that. Yeah. So, like, I'm not going to understand it. But I think that that part of the book, I think, was very important. And it was very well written, um, POV from a trans woman's yeah, point yeah. of view. So, but essentially... So Monique has already endured that much. And so after she sees the ceremony where the woman is ripped apart by song, 
She, like, goes into the bathroom and she, like, throws up. Yeah. And then... Lady is like, it's okay. And then Lady's like, oh, it's fine. Um, But I think it's also important to mention that because of the botched surgery, Monique has trouble even going to the bathroom. So she, like, feels immense pain when she does that. But I just think that's just another part to show, like, she's just so strong. Yeah. Like, she's living through this day to day. I'm gonna find a fucking cosmic entity in pain. (laughs) Yeah, and so she just keeps going. It's, like, crazy. Um, Um, But she essentially tricks Lady, because there's the old, old time, which is farther down than the Earth. mm -hmm. And she's like, hey, Lady... You, like, show me the elevator. Like, I have this feeling that the worm wants us to go down there. And Lady's like, hell yeah, sister. I think it's so funny that all she has to do is be like, I really feel like the worm wants me to go down there. And Lady's like, okay. I mean, praise be to the worm, I guess. Let's go, stranger. I just met whose name I don't even know. (laughs) I just thought it was so funny. Part of me was like, does she really believe Monique? Or is she just like, I just want to see where this this girl's going with this. Well, she, cause, cause she goes down. And so we, we know she doesn't believe Monique, at least fully. Yeah. Because, cause Monique gets there and Monique's like, see ya, it goes down. You're actually, you're right. So she, she does know who Monique is already. Yeah. Cause in the elevator, she's like, you're Monique, aren't you? Yeah. And then we find out, spoiler alert, later in the book that Donna had actually told everybody Monique. about Monique. Yeah. So, so she already knew who she was before she even said. They, so. they like, get in and go down. And then as they're going down, because they go down, like, I assume, like, it was probably, like, five or ten minutes, right? Mm-hmm. But being in a pitch-black elevator like that for, like, five minutes would seem like infinity, especially because you're going underground. Yeah. And she, so while they're going down, uh, Lady is like, I, you're Monique. Uh, we've been told about you. And I think she even, like, does, like, the whale song so she can call the Grey Maiden. Yeah, she calls the Grey Maiden. Because, like, within old time in this, like, pitch black cave system, there are other Grey Maidens, but they're not nice. I seems. thought it was funny when she was, like, she, like, goes, oh, oh, and, like, calls the Grey Maiden, and she's like, I think it's kind of unfair that they made the Grey Maiden learn English, and they didn't even try to learn her language. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? You're yeah, right. That is kind of rude. Go, go off, lady. That is kind of rude. You're right. <laughs> um, maybe that's why the cosmic entity is mad. But um, maybe they get down there, and Monique is like, "All right, see ya." And Lady gets attacked by. So the Gray Maiden hasn't made it there yet. So Lady gets attacked by other Gray Maidens. I don't know if they're. That's not like their right species name, but yeah, I can't remember what she calls them. But they're essentially like smaller bird-like people, um, and, and they do attack ladies. So like at first you're like, oh, they're like also kind of evil, like yeah. the gray maiden. But then I honestly, as you get farther in the book, I was like, I honestly think they just hate the cult of the worm. So yeah. they probably just killed her because they were like, we don't like you. Um, yeah, but yeah, so lady gets mauled and Monique takes off and, like, is running from the Grey Lady to the caves, but she eventually comes to, like, a throne room. And then in the... She, I think she's above it? Yeah, she. it sounds yeah. like she's, like, two stories above it, yeah. and she's, like, looking in from a window up top. So there's, like, a circle of thrones, and then, like, one major throne, and Donna's in there. And Monique is just like, fuck it. Yo, Donna, what up? And just <laughs> screams down there. She's like, Donna, we gotta get out of here. And yeah. then... Yeah. You find out. Bum, bum, that Donna um, has been here all this time of her own free will. Yep. 
And that she found she found the cult and she bought into their idea of transformation and like how the worm's gonna give them this new world with like everything that they want. And she is um I don't think you learned this yet. Because she she right? doubles back later and finds this wrong. Yeah. Again. So so she's like down there and she's like with all these like skeletons that are sitting at the table and she's like, I don't have permission to leave from the worm. I can't go. And Monique's like, All right, um, Donna's lost it. Yeah. So I need to like forcibly remove her, but I can't do that from here. And then as she's like trying to figure it out the gray maiden she hears the gray maiden coming and she's like okay well i can't stay here because the gray maiden's gonna get me but i will be back for you donna and then she like takes off farther into the palace yeah um but like the underground palace nothing too much happens in the underground palace except that she like wanders around and experiences the palace itself before Mm -hmm. she gets down into the actual throne room yeah. Like, it's not like nothing happens, but it's just... But her. she's kind of in this storeroom for a little bit, and I imagine her being, like, in and out of consciousness, kind of. Yeah. she, like, hasn't really slept that much, and now... She's, like, being eaten, anything. eaten, and she's being pursued. And then she, like... So I imagined it as at this part, she kind of, like, falls asleep for a little bit, and then when she wakes up, she realizes she's not in the room alone. And then she realizes that the other smaller gray maidens are in the room with her. And they don't attack her, but they just kind of, like, look at her curiously, and they start, like, taking her clothes off. (laughs) Like, Like, not all of them, but it's been mentioned that, like, because Monique... Uh, never was able to, like, fully get gender-affirming surgery. She wears, like, layers and layers of scarves, which I assume is to hide her Adam's apple. Mm-hmm. And she wears a beanie all the time, low over her eyebrows to hide her more pronounced brow. Yeah. And she, like, wears all these really thick layers to kind of, like, cover up the aspects of herself that she knows present as more masculine, and she doesn't want to see them. Um, But then these other, like creatures start kind of like taking off all of those things that she uses to hide herself and they start like making the like oh oh sounds at her and I kind of thought of that scene as like because when you learn what these creatures are later is that was like the creatures being like oh you're like a sister you're like one of us and they kind of like take off all of the things she was using to hide herself and then be like Oh, we don't want to hurt you. You're like, you're... I also saw it as, like, a wider symbolic gesture of what comes later, which is, like, Monique didn't choose to stop hiding themselves here, Mm -hmm. but then when they do, they're, like, unstoppable. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the... These creatures, she calls the one, one starts to, like, following her and, like, mimicking her yeah, accent, so she, so she calls her, her she calls her Mimic. Mimic. Yeah. So I'm gonna refer to them all as Mimic, because that will make it maybe easier. There's the Grey Maiden, and then there's the like, other smaller the ones that are the Mimics. Um, and they kind of start leading her down to, like, this different area, and she ends up going to this, I don't know how to describe, She well, like, it's all Euclidean, non-Euclidean uh, architecture. Fun so. fact, non-Euclidean just means it has curves. So it's, like, hard to describe it because she was like, it looks like a dome, but then it looked like it was, like, a bunch of tendrils, but then yeah. it could also just be a square, like a building, like she didn't really know what shape it was. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's like black. I imagine it like black obsidian, like very reflective kind I of thing. Yeah. And she kind of like steps in to this area and she finds out it's like the nest of the gray maiden and that all these other mimics were living here too. Um, and she is reunited with Corrine. Yep, Corrine's just <laughs> vibing there. She's there and she kind of essentially this is where you get the lore dump. Yeah, yeah. And like, because this is what I found impressive is the lore dump is like four pages long, but communicates like it gets all the information. Like like two civilizations worth of time. Yeah. But yeah, Corrine she's like becoming I think she's like becoming the last Yeah. Well, so from what I understood is this area, old time, from what it was described by Corrine is this is essentially a hole in time where part of the old universe, which is where the Grey Maiden and these mimics came from, exist here, but they're not supposed to be here. And there's like this void space, kind of, but not the same, because it's filled with like this black glass, where if you touch it, you become like, you, you start to get kind of like erased or pulled into old time instead yeah. of existing in where you exist. And the way that looks is it looks like there's like an infection of like the black glass like growing on yeah, you. Yeah, you become like crystalline. Yeah. Um so that's is what happening to Corrine. But she essentially <laughs> talks about wait, does she get the whole lore dump of like Pangea here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember if she got that from Corrine or from uh Donna. But um Essentially, there was, like, Pangea time, you know, um, and the worm was worshipped by the civilization of people on Pangea, um, which was the OG uh, mimic race, mm-hmm. and they refused the kings of that civilization, and it's kind of cool because they don't gender the word king, mm-hmm. um, so the kings were also women, like, and were, were they both men and women? I don't know, that's yeah. a good question, I don't think we know that much. Um. But the worm, all it wanted from one of them was it's one of their daughter, daughters. daughters, yeah, to marry. And they all hesitate, and because the worm is like a cosmic entity that can touch their minds, they it realizes they've all hesitated, and then it like sunders Pangea into the seven continents, which like kicks off our timeline. Yeah, and essentially like destroys that civilization. civilization. Yeah. Um, and I also this is another good like, discussion point in this is, like, you never actually know if the worm was even sentient of that. Like, you don't know, like, Corrine was saying, like, I don't know, is the worm malicious like that, or is it just, like, this cosmic force that they worshipped, and then they, like, thought they angered it, but really it's literally just, like, a black hole, and there's nothing they could have done to, like, appease it. I I read it, like, an Ender's Game. Did you read Ender's Game? I didn't. I saw the movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, because, like, one of the things that happens in Ender's Games when he gets his, uh, like, a hold of the alien's egg, mm-hmm. like, with Queen in it, she's like, we didn't realize you could talk. We thought you were, like, cows. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because this is, like, the third invasion of these aliens. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the worm destroys Pangea. The co- like, our timeline kicks off and leads to this cult being formed because they've gone underground and kind of uncovered this ancient Kidadel slash castle of the worm. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, um, think of, does she say anything else super important? 
So what you so what you learn is that the 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 main king who's referred to as the broken king, king because he's the he was like the main leader and the seer said to commune with the worm. Yeah. Also refused to give up their daughter and you find out that they were actually a woman and pregnant and I guess the worm it said like her womb looked like it was missing so I I don't know if like the the idea is that the worm like took the her daughter from her forcibly or that he like just made it so that she like couldn't have a child because yeah he was like angry that she wouldn't give up her unborn daughter to him or what but you also find out that all of the mimics were the other daughters yeah. of the other kings. Um, and now I kind of also want to assume, because they didn't gender king, maybe daughter. Maybe not all of them are essentially, like, actually, like, a female sex. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? That's like how we like, say sons of Adam. They, like, <laughs> yeah. They could have just, they could just be mm-hmm. men, like, what we would call men or women or yeah. both, like, maybe this yeah, race because, didn't like, necessarily have a sex. So. Going by, like, biblical terminology, we are all like, the offspring of Adam. So it would make sense to have, like, one phrase for us, but yeah. we don't really go that way. Um, and so I, I liked that piece of lore because I was like, oh, okay, so the Grey Maiden is, like, the main daughter of the, the main king, the broken king, and she's, like, bigger, maybe, because, I don't know, she's, like, empowered by the worm somehow, but then the other ones are, like, the other daughters of the other kings. The, like, lesser kings, And they're just kind of, like... We don't belong here. Everything's messed up. Like I don't. Weird. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of this. Like our society was destroyed by the worm. I don't want to see another society destroyed by the worm. Like the unfortunate thing is, none of them can talk. So you just got to go off all of their actions and their the tone, I guess, of the oh that yeah. they say. Um, but so essentially, at this point, Monique le- is learning all this information. Yeah, and she she <clears throat> does um because she finds something else in there. Something distracts her enough that the gray maiden is like yoink and picks her up. Um, I think she's trying to save Corrine. Like she wants Corrine to give yeah. her, her hand and pull her out, but she can't. But for she the same can't. Donna can't. Oh, I know. She goes to look at the the skeleton of the the main king. Yeah, I and she that. And then she, like, steps back, and she accidentally steps on her switchblade. Yeah. Because the Grey Maiden, like, took it from yeah. her. And she, like, found it there. And when she, like, cries out in pain, because she just got a knife in the foot, she, like, wakes up the Grey Maiden. And the Grey Maiden picks her up and carries her back to the throne room where Donna is. Um, I don't think she take, picks her back up, because Monique is running away from her, she runs into Oh, some she people. leaves a trail of blood, you're yeah, right, Yeah, she right. leaves a trail of blood, and then she, Monique ends up finding the room that Donna was in again, but she's, like, a level lower, so there's still, like, a level between them. But she, like, tries to reach down to Donna, and she's like, Donna, we need to get the fuck out of here right now! Yeah. And Donna's like, I don't have permission to leave, like, all crazy. Um... And then at this point, I think, is when Donna reveals that she is the last king. Yeah. Like, she has been granted the title of king by the worm, and so that's why she has all this sway over the cultists, and it's why she hasn't left. And Donna also reveals that she can control the Grey Maiden and sent the Grey Maiden after Monique, because 
she is convinced that Monique is the bride yep. that needs to be given to the worm. Yeah. Um, and Monique's like, oh, well, fuck Hard that. Pass. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be the bride of the worm. Um, and un- unfortunately, though, she does get captured at this point. Yeah. And she this- essentially ends up in the throne room. This is essentially where I feel like it gets really dreamlike again. I don't know if they drug her or if she just is really tired because she hasn't slept and eaten or anything. They give her Pop-Tarts. They they kind of like wash her. Yeah, that's like a big. I love that Donna is like, "Yo, girl, I remember you like pop tarts. I got you pop tarts in this cosmic hell." Now get ready to birth the wing, (laughs) the worm children. Here you go, blueberry pop tarts. That's all it takes. Yep. Um, but she so they essentially kind of like wash her off. They put her in like this white silk bridal sacrifice dress. I guess. Yeah. And they put, like, this little crown on her head, and they, like, put her um, in the chamber in the seat next to the worm's throne, which they've built this throne that has stood here, I'm assuming, since the beginning of time, that is essentially exactly where the empty place is. Yeah. So, like, where the throne is, nobody can go in there because it's a void space, and the void space is, like, the worm's travel path. And I, I really like, this is probably my favorite bit of lore in it, because it, it makes, you know, it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense. That, like, if you jump in the pool, or you have ice in a cup of water, the water gets higher because the water has to make room for the ice. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you have displaced the water and made the water move. So the worm... Like, the matter in reality why it's, like, a void space is not that there's, like, nothing there. It's that the worm is such a big entity. It's, like, reality is making room for the worm to emerge. And at this point, too, Monique also, like, ponders because she's like, oh, this is the empty place here in this throne. And then she's like, but there's also that empty place in Liberty Tunnel. That, like, she's like, is this connected to that? And then she's like, does this tunnel go all the way up into the sky and, like, do planes avoid it on their flight routes without knowing why? And she's like, does it go all the way through the Earth and then, like, boats on the other side of the world go around it because they have, like, superstitions? And I, like, imagine, like, the Bermuda Triangle is what I imagined. Um, And she's like, how far does this void space go? Does it puncture all of space and time and, like, that kind of thing? Because um, there is an epithet at the beginning of the book, which is a quote from a Queen's University professor that is uh, uh, Queen's College University. The space circumvented by wormholes can only be a worm. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Monique is thinking about that as she's sitting in this forced bridal chair. Yeah. Um, and they're feeding her mushrooms and fish? I think and so, yeah. Then, I remember the mushrooms. I was like, are they, like, drugging her? Yeah, like, I don't know. They they talk a lot about mushrooms growing around this area, too, which, yeah. like, for an underground cavern is not necessarily weird, but I'm just like, what it, the heck are they made of? Are they from, like, a different plane of existence? Yeah. But anyway, um, so this ceremony is happening, and Monique's like, well, I fucking hate this, basically. Uh, but she's, like, so weak at this point and, like, injured. And she's just been, like, through so much she doesn't have much strength left. So she essentially can't do anything when they start the ritual. The and real song. They start doing the real song to, like, bring the worm here. And her I- the idea is that she's supposed to sit there the whole time and then yeah. be impregnated with the worm's children, I guess. Yep. 
Um, and they start the song, and Monique's like, I gotta do something. Yeah. And she's, like, trying to get out, and then she sees that the mimic is there, the other entity from the other world, and the, so are the sisters, and they're all trying to, like, honestly kind of help Monique get away, I think, in the own w- in their way that because they can. Because they're from a kingdom that was destroyed by this entity. Yeah. So for not giving up a baby. They kind of, like, help her, like, walk a little bit, and she does this thing where she tries to, like, push the chair over to the balcony, and she tries in, like, a last-minute scrabble to be like, Donna, it's me, you love me, don't do this to me. And Donna's like, I do love you, that's why I'm sacrificing you. Yeah. Uh, get back down there, bitch. Um, and she's like, okay, well, this is fucked up. Um, and she tries to, like, pull herself up onto the balcony using a, the chair. Um, but she, like, is too weak, she can't do it, she doesn't really have anybody to help her, so she ends up slipping and falling. But she slips and falls right into the throne meant for yeah, the Yeah, she ends up in the void space. She ends up in the void space, which she, nobody could go there. Nobody could go there. Like, there, some some kind of force repelled them from going there. But since she fell there on accident, it was a mistake, she is able to sit there yeah. because of this. And, like, Donna's, like, yelling at her to get up telling everybody to stop singing. They're like, we can't bring the worm here. It has to be like a pure empty void space for him. If your flesh body is there, it like won't work. And Monique's like, well, I think my spine's broken, so I can't really move. <laughs> um, and so she's just kind of stuck there. And um, essentially, she just like, from my understanding, which is impossible to understand how the, something like yeah. this would work, is they call the worm or the power that they have named the, the worm. worm. And since she is there, instead of it being a void space, instead of it, like, doing whatever they thought it was going to do, which I kind of think it would just end up destroying our world as we know it, like it did with that first civilization, I think Monique kind of absorbs its power. Yeah, at least some of it. And she's just like, well, instead of being, like... A human, and she's like, humans kind of suck. I'm just gonna kind of take this power, and I'm gonna start singing, and I'm gonna use this power for good. And she... It, it, I had in my mind the opposite of Galadriel, where she's like, you would give me this power, and I would become a queen. Yeah. But she's like, I, and you know, Galadriel's like, I would become evil. But Monique's like, I'm gonna be a fucking dope-ass god. <laughs> yeah, and she becomes a god, and she essentially kills all the cultists there, except for Donna. Yep. She's like, you are beneath crushing. Like, I don't even want to kill you. Yeah. Um... And she kind of, like, starts testing out her powers, and she's just like, wow, I can just travel through, like, time and space at will. So she just goes forward into the future, like, 50 years, and watches Donna die as an old woman. Mm-hmm. And she also, it was kind of sad, because it might be our reality, she notates how, like, the Earth is not going to be habitable for much longer, because humans yeah. have, like, destroyed it at this point. And she was like, this Donna might be the last human, one of the last humans to die of old age. And I was like, damn. Yeah. (laughs) That's bleak. Um, And they, she starts like, she's like, all right, I, I witnessed Donna's death. I guess I get that closure. And she's like, now I'm going to go back even farther. Back to Pangea. And I'm going to correct a mistake that happened. Mm -hmm. And she like goes back 
to when all the other kings first received the worm and the worm was like, give me one of your daughters. And she essentially takes the place of the worm and she's like, nope, you don't gotta give me your daughters. Just go about your business. Yeah. Stop talking about the worm. And the Grey Maiden and all the mimics and stuff are there and they're just like, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah, so she like <laughs> unmakes the the one event that causes our reality to exist. So then our reality like, like disappears this, or becomes cosmic soup. This is what I like about this is like... It, we're going back to Dark. We just watched Dark on uh-huh. Netflix. The Eternal Recurrence uh, from Nietzsche. But, like, you know, the Big Bang, as far as we know, is the beginning of our universe. But we don't know how many times Big Bangs have happened. Mm-hmm. So, like, we, she goes back to the Big Bang moment of our universe, and it's just like, nah, and stops nah. it from happening. Yeah. So the our timeline ceases to exist. Um, Pangea goes back to being Pangea at the height of this kingdom. And I get the feeling that these people were, like, immortal on Pangea until the worm fucked them up. Maybe. Um, which is, like, very biblical. And then, like, the timeline ceases to exist, and finally, because she stopped the timeline that had Monique begin to exist, Monique stops existing despite being a god as well. Right. Um... And then, yeah, honestly, that's the end of the book. Yeah. <laughs> that's the end, and she just becomes this giant entity and, like, uh, reverses, like, our reality and saves the original uh, civilization that existed before it was destroyed, and that's, that's it. But, I honestly, it was, like, really enjoyable. I really like Monique as a lead character, um... And I thought the writing was was good. Yeah, it, I it's like good. The it's, it, it skips over the difficulty of reading Lovecraft, even if, if despite you know ignoring the racism, the difficulty is in the writing style. Like we don't write like that anymore. So you really have to sit down with a Lovecraft story and be like, I'm here for the ambiance. Like mm. I, you have to sink into like the gloom of being in like Maine or um, Boston. And, like, the height of winter and, like, a foggy day, you know? Yeah. And really get into the atmosphere of why it's scary, because not a lot of action happens. This is, like, more modernly accessible for contemporary readers. Right. Um, I just want... I took a picture of a couple of quotes that I really liked. I think they're from, honestly, really close together, but, like, I just... I thought they were good. Um, so one is then when Monique is talking about the cult, and she's kind of realizing that the cult has power over people like her. Um, And she says, or it says, It boiled Monique's blood. They didn't have enough power above. They had to come down here and weave nonsense to justify themselves. They might not have called themselves the Worms Kings, but blaming their god's will and claiming divine right was self-styled royalty just the same. Corrine was wrong. They weren't dangerous because they could tear someone limb from limb. They were dangerous because they were too high on their own fantasies to think straight and no one would question them. Yeah. And I feel like from Monique's standpoint, too, she probably also has this view on, like, Christianity because mm-hmm. they do something similar with, like, the LGBT community and kind of, yeah, yeah, you know, just kind of hurting people with that their own justifications that they've kind of made up kind of thing. Um... So I like that one. And then I also took a picture of this one uh, where Monique is talking to Lady. And Lady says, don't be so glum. We're all pieces of a greater world in the making. History belongs to us. 
Monique didn't think so. The worm empowered kings, not queens. The authority that crackled off of Bochard and his side of the ceremony room didn't spark the same in the choir. Some of the worm servants sat in chariots while others were horses. No meek would inherit this world. Yeah. I just, I liked the writing style too. Like, there's, so a, I wanted there's to... a hierarchy and everything. Yeah. So but, it was good. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a four out of five. Um, yeah. I really like this book. I want to read more of her stuff, especially this one called... Um, oh, uh, The Possession of Natalie Glasgow. Mm. Glasgow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is like, I think, almost peak horror, cosmic horror at the, right now. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's hard to write something this concise and also this effective. Yeah. It was it was good. I I mean, I was surprised. I, I really think that I just like the protagonist a lot, which made the story more enjoyable it, to me. It was the first time in a while. Like, I just never connected that they were trans until oh, really? the event in the book. And I was like, this is the first time in a while a book's like got me like that. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah. But it just never crossed my radar because in my mind, I was like, okay, they're like in the LGBT relationship. Mm-hmm. Um... And then when they did, like, they were talking about the surgery, I was like, oh, did this doctor, like, steal, like, an organ from them? But then I was like, oh, it's that kind of surgery. Yeah. Yeah, so it was good. And I I would like to read more of her stuff, Haley Piper's stuff. It was was good. I'd like to see maybe, like, a longer novel, what that would look like from her. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Well, that is all for The Worm and His Kings. Please check it out and let us know if you read it and you like it or if you like our discussion of it here on the podcast. But next month for August, is August next month? (laughs) August 2022, we're going to be reading Anatomy by Dana Schwartz. Is it Anatomy, a love story or just Anatomy? It's Anatomy, a love story. Okay. But yeah. And this is actually another pick that Ian kind of picked for me uh, for my book of the month. But Dana Schwartz does Noble Blood, yeah, right, the podcast, and which is a really good podcast. Um, and so this was like her first book, and we're gonna check it out. And I, for like the last few months, have been really uh, feeling romance stories, so this seems yeah. good. I bought this book because I like Danish Wars, and I just haven't gotten around to reading it yet because I've been on a Star Wars kick. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a YA book of the month at Barnes & Noble, or book club book at Barnes & Noble. And I bought it because I was, I was like, this Danish Wars first book, and pre-orders are really, really important for uh, authors. authors. Um so when Ronnie was trying to pick out her book, I was like, well, I do have this, like, romance book I haven't read laying around. Um, and Neil Gaiman blurbed it, so if that tells you anything. So we're going to check it out, and we hope that you check it out with us um, and read along next month, and uh, I guess we'll see you guys then. Also, hold on, last minute thought. I was thinking, we're coming up on our year yeah. anniversary. Is it next month that it would be one year? I think so. So, so maybe we'll do like a power ranking of all 12 books. Yeah, something. maybe. Something like that. Um, once, I don't know if we have to read that one for it to be 12 or if the Mormon King was 12. We'll I'll do look. Yeah, yeah. But we should, we should do something like that. Yeah. yeah. Alright. All right. Yeah, and uh, give us a follow over at twitter.com slash sharedpagespod and we'll see you next month. Bye!